We are all here with the goal to create more freedom and abundance in our lives. But as you grow and scale your business, it's an important question to ask of whether you're actually making the right fit financial decisions to create the future that you truly want. So this is a can't miss discussion with leading financial strategist and guest Desiree Duval, who's sharing all things financial literacy and growth planning with us today. So let's get into it. You're listening to the Freedom Found Podcast, an audio community for freedom-driven entrepreneurs wanting to build and scale an impactful online business that allows you to spend more time with your toes in the sand than your fingers on the keyboard. I'm your host, Crystal Church. I'm a copywriter and consultant, borderless entrepreneur, and wannabe dog mom. On this podcast, we'll talk all things online business, marketing, strategy, mindset, health, travel, and what it's really like to be a borderless entrepreneur. Freedom Found is all about equipping you with insight and actionable tips to help you build your business around your life so you can spend more time exploring new cities, hanging with your family, working on that new business project, or quite frankly, however the hell you'd like. With a background in law, Desiree Duval is a financial strategist who in the last two years has helped over 100 clients better their financial future, bring in over 70 business partners, and was recognized in 2021 as a top 10 recruiter out of 50,000 agents. And we have the privilege today of picking her brain on how we can be making informed, intentional financial decisions that can lead us to our big vision that we talk about so frequently on the Freedom Found podcast. So before we get started, Desiree, welcome to the Freedom Found Podcast. Can you please tell us a little about yourself and your journey to top 10 financial agents out there today? Definitely. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. That was beautiful. I'm just really happy to be here. So just a little bit about myself. You know, I think everyone kind of gets into their industry a little bit different. And, you know, I wasn't always a financial guru to start off with. So my background is a little bit different. You know, I'm a native Los Angeles girl, right? I actually went to college in Montana and that's kind of where it started. I went to college, got out of college, had a degree kind of in personal training or physical therapy and so on. And, you know, had a whole bunch of student debt and didn't really know what to do. Took the first job that I could at a law firm as a receptionist moved my way up from a receptionist to a paralegal in about three years. And into the fifth year, I was just really unsatisfied. I was unsatisfied with the ways being compensated, you know, for my time and efforts, but also really unsatisfied with what I was doing. Law is very much a gray area. And I was working for an attorney that cared more about the money than he did about his people. So it didn't sit right with me. I believe that I could make a bigger difference helping more people doing something. So I started looking elsewhere, started going to leadership conferences, kind of figuring out what was next for me because I hadn't done anything with my degree in five years. So I didn't know if I was still passionate about that. That's where I was actually introduced to the finance business by a senior broker. I actually came into the business part-time thinking maybe I can make some extra income or do something like that. After about four months, I hit the ground running. I was super passionate about it. I was able to help 25 families in four months, which was huge for me, and also supplement my full-time income. So I ended up leaving the law firm and jumping into finances full-time. 
I mean, I have been here now for two years and I just kind of haven't let up on the gas pedal because I believe that financial literacy is definitely something, especially in the U.S., that needs a lot of changing. It's not something they teach us in school. It's not something that you really learn unless you learn it from how you were brought up. So your friends or your family. And if it wasn't a positive way, then you're kind of SOL to say the least. So really just trying to revolutionize the financial industry both with people young and older, you know, retirement age and so on. Wow. I love that so much. And I love that like your journey, I think as so many entrepreneurs has taken you through different paths to bring you here. And you bring up a really good point already that I wanted to talk about, which is like how we are prepared for financial literacy. And I am right there alongside you in that we really aren't, right? Can you dive into a little bit how you think our society is kind of maybe forgoing that really important piece of education and preparation in our lives, like as we transition into adulthood and then through different phases as we grow into hopefully then a happy retired person with financial security. It's really hard because if you think about it, what were you ever taught in finances, unless you seeked it out, was pretty much nothing in school. You know, they didn't teach you a balance and checkbook. I mean, not that like that's needed these days, especially with technology, but they don't really tell you the concept of money. So when you start getting a job and you start getting money, you just start spending it because maybe no one has taught you, you know, those habits of paying yourself first or anything like that. So really your education comes from you seeking it out. And even people that go to college for like accounting degrees and so on. I mean, they learn about accounting in itself, but do they actually learn about how money works and how to make money work for you long-term? It's really sad because there's also, I think kind of in our society, people are very stubborn in regards to how they want to learn in regards to their money, right? Especially in the younger age, you know, I sit down with a lot of young people and they believe exactly what their parents said, which it's not like there's anything wrong with what their parents said, but from when their parents started going through, you know, their first job or, you know, starting saving or investing is so much different these days than what's happening in the world today. And that kind of brings me like to 401ks where 401ks aren't bad, but there are also kind of better investments that you can help for retirement. And sadly, we're getting to a place in, you know, the world where medical technology is advancing and we're living longer, which is incredible, but most people are outliving their money. And so people are now having to go back to work. That's why you, it's really sad. And you see people at grocery stores or wherever have you that are probably in their 70s, 80s sometimes, and they're working and they're not there because they want to be there. It's usually because they have to be there. And so it's just really difficult because you have to seek it out. So what could we change is bringing, you know, the concepts about money into it at a younger age, um, because really you're only learning from the habits within your environment. And if those are negative, it's really difficult to kind of get out of that cycle. Also, I mean, one of my biggest pet peeves is the second you turn 18, they just start sending you credit cards um, and you have no clue on how to use a credit card. So you just start spending all this money. And I personally was one of those in college where, I mean, I was a broke college student, right? And so give me a credit card, of course, I'm going to spend it instead of learning how to leverage debt and leverage credit to actually your benefit. So it was a, you know, very hard thing to learn personally coming out of college. I had my school debt and then I had credit card debt and trying to get to a better financial place myself was very difficult because you're wasting a ton of money and time that could be in other places to help you make money. Yeah. Okay. So many good points I want to come back to here. First, I want to dive into a little bit more like your personal experience with money because you've touched on that already. 
And yeah. I also want to talk about like your mindset with it. Like how did that evolve and shift over time to develop the financial literacy you have today? So I guess going back from to like where my parents were, my parents were never good with money. They were hard workers. They worked nine to five, you know, always had food on the table. We weren't wealthy by any means, but we never had a savings. They never had emergency funds or anything like that. They got money and they would spend it. And so that's what I was taught. Oh, I got money and I started spending it. I actually started working when I was 14. And I think about it today. And if someone would have just taught me put away $50 a month into something that has an interest rate that could make me money, even $50 at 14. I mean, I'm 28 today. So 14 years of $50 per month growing, I could be seeing, you know, thousands of dollars today, which is mind blowing. And no one teaches you that, right? Um, there's not like classes that can teach you that. It's unless you have like, those parents that are good investing or so on. But so what happened for me is I didn't save any money. I actually saved only a portion. Senior year, I was working three jobs and I paid for a portion of my college. And that was a really big accomplishment for me. It was like my one semester of my college, which wasn't a lot, you know, it was out of school to or out of state tuition and so on. Uh, but from there, I just continued working, working to pay my bills, not working to like better my financial future, right? So that didn't really change until I got out of college or really into the finance world, you know, out of college, I did start, you know, paying off my debt and so on. But it wasn't until I got into the financial industry, or I had sat down with someone, I probably sat down with someone about six months before I got into the financial industry. And that was the first time I had reviewed my finances ever. And I had been working since I was 14. Not that I should have reviewed my finances when I was 14, but it should have been a lot sooner than being 26, 25, 26, right? Because I did have money coming in at a young age working at a law firm, I had a decent amount of money coming in. So that should have been in places that could actually help me. With this, I had to also pivot from, oh, I had to pay all my bills. How am I going to pay all my bills? To actually paying myself first. Before anything else, you have to pay yourself first. It's not, oh, what do I have extra to put into savings? But what can I pay myself first? And then the bills come extra. You know, those are the things I have to pay. Sure, later on. But if you don't actually get in the habit of paying yourself first, you're never actually going to be able to build that money. So that's where it really pivoted is, okay, taking any time, you know, I'm commission-based for the most sense. So my income fluctuates, but whatever portion of I get paid, at least 10% of that goes into a savings or investment, something that's going to be able to make me money. So I think what really had to change is knowing that, I guess, the worthiness of I get to be able to become wealthy, you know, also coming from a not so wealthy background. Sometimes you just feel like you're all, you, I personally are going to be just like your parents in a sense. You're never going to get out of that generational curse in a sense um, and create generational wealth for you know generations to come like your kids and so on. So you have to really one, be intentional with, I deserve this and abundance is around me in every way, shape and form and that I can pay myself first and still have money to pay my bills and do the things that I like. I love that so, so much. It's like such a simple mindset shift, but it's something that we don't ever lead with. Why is that? Right. That it's like last on our list to pay ourselves and say, actually, I'm going to buy into, essentially, I'm buying into my future is yeah. what you're saying, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. okay. I also love so much that you touched on like how things have evolved and shifted in our society. And as we've modernized and grown what that looks like, 401ks, et cetera, and also right. how our parents' mindsets have played into mm -hmm. like where we are today. And I mean, I can even personally say like my parents, I think probably very similar background. We were probably a little less well off than you, but 
very limited education and even conversation around money. And I think especially as daughters as well. I did not get any sort of education from my parents. And yet, like, I saw my father go and sort of one of his, like, mentees that he was friends with, like, a young teenage guy that he helped out in his career, et cetera, teach him and hand him the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and all of those pieces that, like, I was never even offered or considered. And, you know, no shade thrown to my dad. He was following a traditional route. But things have changed now. And I think that – and tell me what you think about – how this has evolved in society now, but the education of women being financially literate has such a role to play in our economy. Most definitely. I'd say the majority of families I sit down with today is almost as though the woman actually handles the finances. Mm -hmm. I think there's in the decades, you know, women have revolutionized in so many different areas, which is incredible. And I think money is definitely one. In the finance industry, it is a very male driven industry. But you see today that a lot more women are coming into it because we want our piece of the pie too. And we know that we deserve it and we're able to. And I love that you said rich dad, poor dad, because if I can give you, if you take one thing out of listening to this is go read rich dad, poor dad. Everyone should read it. They should give you in school. It's just mm-hmm. basics. It's basic of mindset actually around money because a lot of people think it's like, oh, his rich dad and poor dad, but it's not necessarily money-wise, but more of a mindset towards the money. And, you know, when growing up, when you're talking about your dad didn't really talk to you about it as a female, it's kind of true. You know, I came from, it's me and my two sisters. I don't have any brothers. And it was almost like there was always this negative connotation around money. And that's why we never talked about it. So going into that, I always thought money was bad instead of money is good and can bring abundance. Yeah. Is that money bad and can bring, you know, evil and so on. So I think really shifting that as well is that money can actually help us further ourselves into a better place. And it's not the evil that's going to create like negativity in our life with our relationships or so on. Yeah. And also to that point, money is something that I think is harder for us to speak about when we don't have it. Right. So Mm -hmm. the more we're struggling with our finances, the more we push away the conversation because it's uncomfortable either to have with others or even just to sit with ourselves because it brings up feelings, right? Like to our listeners Mm -hmm. right now, as we're talking about money and financial literacy and investments, like sit with yourself for a minute and think like, what sort of feelings is this bringing up within me? Like, am I stressed? Am I feeling anxiety? Am I hopeful? Right? Because those, I think, contribute greatly into then the way that we personally interact with money or we avoid it altogether. Right. And the like scarcity mindset, right? The scarcity is I'm not going to put money anywhere. You know, a lot of people put it in savings accounts, which isn't terrible. Don't get me wrong. You're not going to lose money there, but most savings account are less than 1% interest and not to get super technical, but inflation right now, I mean, especially in the U S or pretty much the world is 7%, right? So your money is losing value almost. And so some people just want to hold on to it because maybe they haven't had much money in their life. And so you're coming from that scarcity mindset that this is mine and I can't give it to anyone else rather than an abundance mindset. Who else can I help? And really that funnels into more money abundance and putting into investments and so on where there is some risk. Don't get me wrong. There's different investments for different risk levels. And that's where you really need to get educated because some people think, crypto. Some people think individual stock trades and so on. And none of them is bad. I'm not going to tell you not to do any of it, but find things at your risk level and then educate yourself on how they work. 
Yes. Okay. So you're just hitting the nose on the head here with the meat of what I want to dive into today. So let's get into it. As women in the online space and as we continue to grow our revenue, scale businesses, have more access to finances than most of us have had before, or we're replacing an old income we used to have and we're building that back up again, what should we be doing in order to play into that big vision, our long-term goal? Yeah. Um, First is sitting down with someone and just reviewing what you currently have. I think there's really five major areas in a financial portfolio. One is debt, you know, good debt, bad debt, kind of knowing the difference between it. Life insurance, you know, a lot of people see life insurance and they're like, I'm too young. I don't need it. Really, it's the foundation of every financial portfolio. And um, it's not just a death benefit these days. It has really revolutionized and has living benefits as well as had things as though you can use as a tax-free retirement retirement. People think that they shouldn't start saving for their retirement until their thirties. And I'm like, you should have started this in your twenties because really you want time on your side. And I think there's a statistic or the statistic today is that only eight out of 10 people today, well, only two out of 10 people actually have enough money to retire that are in retirement age, right? So eight out of 10 people don't have enough money to retire. And right now, retirement age is about 65. So imagine having to work another 10 years at age 65 just to try to retire. And it's really difficult because people think about it too late. And they only think of one thing to retire is my 401k or my employer-funded account. It doesn't have to be a 401k, 403bs. There's so many different types of them. But how much do you actually know about that? Because usually you get into a job and they hand you this paperwork and you just fill it out and then... Later on, you're like, I don't even know what I'm putting money into. I don't know how much my I'm putting into. I don't know what it's doing. You have zero clue about it. So it's more of education, um, emergency funds. Really, if anything, the past two years has really taught us is that job security is not a thing. So make sure that you have money should worst case scenario happen and you need money to survive. As well as, you know, college educational funds. If you are a family, it's almost like retirement. The sooner you can start putting away money to it, you want time on your side. And, you know, there's a quote from Albert Einstein talking about compound interest. That's the eighth wonder of the world. And that the one who can comprehend it actually is the one that gets earned it. And the one that doesn't is the one that pays it. And that's kind of knowing how to leverage that. So learning to put your mind into places that over time, it's just going to work for you. Such a good breakdown. So if we've got a listener right now who she's making good money and she's like, now I can finally actually take action and do something with it. What's the first step after, let's say she's spoken to somebody or if she chooses not to, like, should she dive straight into investments or going and getting that life insurance set up? What would you usually tell somebody who's wanting to DIY this? It's really difficult to DIY finances, right? Because I mean, it's so difficult. I mean, if you're able to go over all the five areas, it's just... I guess there's a little bit of both. So it is or is not difficult. It's just something that you should educate yourself with. So if you're really good at researching, really good at looking into exactly what risk you want to take, what you currently have, knowing you know how much money you need to retire. Like there's a lot of different formulas that you use to try to figure out where you want to get certain places. Also really going over your financial goals. You know, currently your financial goals, are you young, don't have, you know, a home and don't have any kids or anything like that? Nothing that you need um, to actually start saving for or something. So you have a lot of extra money. You can maybe take higher risk or maybe you have a family and maybe you're in a later age and you're needing your money to actually retire soon. So you have lower risk. So what's the best investment for you there? So it's not one fits all. And I think that's what's 
huge about the financial industry is that you can sit down with someone and they can be super passionate about crypto and just tell you crypto all day and stuff like that. However, you can sit down with someone else and they can be a hundred percent about like a life insurance investment and be, oh, this is what you need and so on. And so it's really educating yourself across the board. What are my goals? What is the risk I'm willing to take? Um, and how much time do I have? Because time is probably one of the biggest factors of can you take 20 years to be able to let this money grow? Or do you have only 10 years? You know, so I wouldn't say DIY is something I would ever condone. I would say sit down with someone. There are, I do free consultations. So there's plenty of people out there that do free things just to provide education. And then you can kind of just take what you learn from there and do more research or, you know, continue to find those goals that you do want and then go from there. I love that. So, so good. And you heard it here first, go and get support. I feel like for me, like before I started investing a few years ago, I was always of the mindset of like, oh, I need to save a bit more. Like, oh, I don't have enough yet. Like, right. Like I've got this size of a nest egg. I really want to be at this number before I start putting my money in places. And I can see now, obviously, the flaws with that line of thinking. But in the time, I think, you know, you have your blinders on and maybe you've got, for me, I had a goal and I was like, I'm going to this number and then I'll take action. So what do you say to clients who are thinking in that sort of way and how do you direct them into making the right decision on when is the time? I think at the time, you know, it's a little difficult because it goes back to the goals, but you want time on your side. So when you continue to think, oh, it's not time, oh, it's not time, you're actually losing out on a a bunch, you know, and almost takes, you can look at how much someone's investing, like $250 a month, someone at 25 for the next, you know, 40 years until they get to 65 with someone that invests $250 a month at 35 for the next, I mean, gain to 65, you only have about 30 years. You're actually down almost $500,000 at like a 7% interest. If you do that, and that was just $250. And so you're actually going to have to pin double to even make that type of money. So you're kind of losing out. So you want time on your side. So it's one of those things. If you are like, oh, I need to do, I don't feel comfortable putting all my money. Don't put all your money. That's okay. Just get started. It's one of those take action. doesn't matter how small it is. Time is going to be the biggest factor for you. And any type of investment is how long can you have it in there and how high is your interest? Because there is also like a rule of 72. You want higher interest. So your money doubles faster. Oh, so, so good. I cannot believe that. Just like 500,000 K, like just there it is gone. Yeah. I definitely wish I could go back in time and tell my past self to stop sitting on that, you know, and I still feel like I started at a, a good time, but it was something that I had been thinking about and planning for a while. So if there's a listener out there who's feeling like you've been doing the same thing, take Desiree's advice and go and invest and pay yourself first, right? Before everything else. What if we have a listener right now who feels like the budget is just tight? Like they're just basically making ends meet. What can they do? Should they still be going and paying themselves before those bills if like everything is stretched so thin? Yeah, or reevaluate your way of living. You know, sometimes it might just be hard. You're it's one of those months you're in a tough spot and so on, but it's getting in the habit of paying yourself first. So it doesn't matter how little or how much it is, uh, but being able to pay yourself first. And sometimes you actually learn by paying yourself first that you don't have all this extra money for things you probably don't need. 
right? Maybe it's a subscription that you actually need, you know, a Netflix, Hulu, and an HBO, like 15 different subscriptions, you know, if you can pay yourself an additional $15, $20 a month, which doesn't seem like a lot, but if you're really cutting it that short, you need to learn the habit of paying yourself first because, you know, there's this huge saying is if you can't manage a thousand dollars, you're never going to be able to manage a hundred thousand dollars. So really taking that into consideration is, okay, I have this much in a month. Why it doesn't seem like at the end of the month, I feel broke every single time. Where's my money going? Break down what your expenses are. Why are you spending so much money here? Why are you spending so much money there? And sometimes it's one of those things that you can't change. You right? You have to make more money um, because, you know, honestly, only taking out one subscription and not changing your job or having more income come in, it's not going to get you anywhere or it's going to get you somewhere a lot slower. So supplement your income, you know, do something like a side hustle, you know, get a side hustle, do something like that. It doesn't have to be anything big or small. If you can make an extra $200 a month, putting that into, you know, paying yourself first is going to be worth it. And if you think $200 a month, isn't going to be that much doing a side hustle. So find a way to actually make more money. Um, If you're happy at your job, I'm not saying quit your job. I'm not saying become a business owner and things like that. Yes. If you reach that poor dad, that's where you make the most money is residual income. But, um, what you need to find is more ways to actually have income coming in. Unfortunately, if you're every single month, no matter what you can't budge on your expenses, you have to make more money. Yeah. It's so much about taking action too. It's like, that's what I'm hearing. It's like the foundation level of every single thing that you're saying today. It's like, take action, evaluate, and then move forward. Because when we're sitting still, things aren't changing. So we need to go out and create that change for ourselves. Yeah. And create the habits. Cause it's the biggest thing mm. is, you know, we're rewriting exactly how we were taught about finances, right? How we were taught about money. You're kind of reprogramming your brain to see how abundant money can be. So um, even just doing little things on a daily basis, you know, can help out um, even putting money somewhere that you can see it, you know, um, a monetary because some people when it's in like a savings account or things like that it doesn't really mean much to them but maybe put it towards some type of goal right um you know this is what my house looks like um and really imagine i think people don't you know they're like oh i really want to buy a home and i you know, I want to do it in the next six months. Okay. What does that home look like? Um, is it two stories? Is it one story? It, does it have five bedrooms? Does it have two bedrooms? You know, really imagine what your money is going towards. So it has more meaning to yourself than just something sitting in your bank account. Cause when it's in your bank account, it doesn't really feel like yours. Um, so really put some kind of emotional attachment to it where you're working towards it. So no matter what every day or every time you get paid, you're going to want to pay yourself first because that's your dream. And I think too, when you have that piece that's visual in front of you and you're seeing it on a regular basis and maybe you're journaling about it, that's something I recommend clients do a lot is like journal on that big vision and like, how do you feel when you're waking up in that dream house, right? And what does your day look like? I think that we just inherently start to make decisions that lead us down that path. So as soon as we're saying, I'm going to have this dream house, I'm putting a picture of it up, it's on the fridge, it's like on my desk, it's on my bathroom mirror, and I'm journaling about it. And then I'm making informed financial decisions. And also all the other decisions that come along with, you know, being a business owner or just a human in general, like you start to decide whether or not it's aligned to your future vision. And if it's not, that's okay to say, I politely decline or pass and I choose a different option. 
and it's called the law of attraction, really. It's, um, you know, it doesn't matter how much you believe in the universe gives you what you need or so on. Um, if you don't feel like you're that type of person or so on, but it's really true. The more you actually create um, that for yourself, the more you see it, the more you talk about it. It's almost like if someone, you know, talks to you about, um, I don't know, hot dogs or, you know, any type of thing and it's on your mind, you're going to see it more often, a red car, a yellow car while you're driving or so on. Um, so it's the same thing with money. If you can actually um, talk about money more often, change what money is like around your friend group. Like when was the last time you actually talked about money with your friend group? Sometimes it's like kind of hard. You're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Why should it be uncomfortable? You know, it should be something that talked about more often is, you know, the connotation about money is it's here to actually help us get to a, another level. Level that we want uh, rather than, you know, sitting here and being like, oh, everyone, we don't want to talk about how much everyone makes and so on. Though you're, you're probably going home talking to your partner about exactly how much someone makes. So why not just talk to them directly? I'm so open about my finances and I try to be as open with my friends as well, because if it's working for me, why would I want them to help them? If something's working for them, I would love to learn more about it. So really creating that not abundance just for myself, but for the people around me as well. Yeah. And let's just like make a transition and like just society, right? Where it's normal for us to talk about finances and for women to have open discussions about it as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Especially, um, you know, especially women, because I think they're, yes, while it's revolutionizing today, I think there is still some, um, especially in some like cultures and so on, where it's harder for women um, to talk about money. So it's like, okay, you want control as much as you want to be able to um, feel like you're, I guess, um, learning about it yourself as well. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. You have given us so many good things to think about today. And again, I'm going to come back to this point that you've said over and over is like, take action. So listeners, please go out there, take action, think about your finances, talk to somebody, talk to an expert and make informed decisions for your personal situation. And I just want to say thank you so much for all the goodies that you have dropped for us today. And I want to ask you our closing question, which is my favorite part of every interview, because I I think that we all have this dream living inside of us for more freedom in whatever capacity that means to each of us. And so many of us start our businesses because we want to tap into that. So what mm -hmm. advice do you have for entrepreneurs listening that are on a mission to incorporate more freedom into their lives? Um, it's almost like what exactly I've been talking about today is action, right? Um, so how you're really going to see, I think the success in your business the success in you know, your goals and so on is even just taking action, like the habit of taking action, like is what's going to build you to massive success is that habit of on a daily basis, you're contributing, even how little or how big it is, it's that habit that every little contribution is what's going to build to that huge success rather than just, you know, taking one day, doing all your work in one day, and then not thinking about it for another week. Um, you're really going to stunt your growth in your business. And it takes with, okay, what can I do on a daily basis or at least every other day to put towards my business consistently to build something bigger? Um, and it's that action, how little, how big it is, um, and just taking it every day. So good. It all compounds together to our future yeah. vision. So thank you again for all of these tidbits. You've given me so many good things to think about and for us to take on and incorporate in our lives. Can you please tell us how we can further learn from you or work with you and connect? Yeah, reach out to me um, through my Instagram. So my Instagram is wealth by desire. Um, and I'm sure it will be attached to here. Go ahead and go on there. You can access my website, 
Um, but I am pretty well with also DMs. Uh, feel free to reach out for questions. Uh, we can set up a Zoom call. I love to meet people more virtually, um, get to know you personally, because um, where finance, yes, I can give you the generalization. Uh, finance is very personal. And so knowing how to break something down for yourself is really what you want to learn and not just the generalization of what's popular today. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Cesar. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please head over to leave a review and subscribe to the Freedom Found podcast. It means so much to our growth and being able to reach and support more business owners like you. And if you enjoyed today's insights and would love an opportunity to sit down one-on-one with yours truly, screenshot this episode and share it to your Instagram stories with your biggest takeaway right now. Every four weeks, we're choosing a listener just like you to hop on a free coaching call together. The next one could be you. Have a beautiful week and I'll catch you next time.